Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do praise you for the kids. We thank you for them. We pray, Lord, that you bless their time. But, Lord, we also pray for, for us here now. Lord, we pray that there, if there are any distractions, Lord, that you take them away. Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit be moving strong amongst us. Challenge us, Lord. Encourage us. Push us, Lord. Allow your word to, to not only sink in, but to, to push us and, and be that, that light that guides us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Continuing the series, Wonderful Christmas. Uh, I'm actually stoked about the topic that I was given. It's about the, the wise men. I remember as a kid when I used to play with the nativity scene, my favourite characters of the nativity were the wise men. Is anyone else's favourite the wise men? Oh, okay. Oh, I'm the only one. All right. Might be a short sermon. Uh, the wise men were always this kind of, they always intrigued me because they always, they brought gifts that was cool. They all, their get up was, was ridiculously cool. They dressed like kings. And compared to the shepherds, I thought, oh, yeah, these guys have got it going on, you know. Shepherds, uh, they, were, they were the humble part of the nativity. The wise men, they were the cool, the rich, the, or in some ways maybe powerful part of the nativity. This is a kid thinking, and I'm still a bit of a kid. I thought, oh, yeah, I've always wanted to preach on the wise men, but never really had the opportunity until now. So we're going to look at some of the questions as a kid that I had about the wise men. Because I thought, if I'm going to take advantage of this, I want to learn myself about these guys. So turn with me to Matthew, if you've got smartphones or your Bible, whatever. We're going to read um, this little encounter of the wise men. Chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read 1 to verse 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if there are a few different words, you know why. Let's, let's read this. The heading actually says, Visitors from the East. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking... Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for, for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. 
After this interview with the wise men, uh, sorry, after this interview, the wise men went their way. The star they had been, had they seen in the east, <clears throat> guided them to Bethlehem, and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Know that story, don't you? You've heard that before. As I said, it was my favourite part of the nativity, apart from Jesus being born, of course. And it's interesting too when we do have the nativity scene and we look at it, we kind of clump it all together. Um, the wise men are in the stable with Jesus, but actually it would have happened some time after that occurrence. But it looks pretty. And in our images, we see the wise men with the gifts and the shepherds and the sheep and the angel. Jeff, can I get that photo up? This is our nativity scene at home. I don't play with this one because it's precious and I'm a bit old for that. But this is ours. And if you can see on the furthest right-hand side, or for if you guys looking at this one, this, yeah, we're still right-hand side. Um, the wise men are there. Can you see them? We see, Obviously, yeah. They're wearing fancy hats. And they've got gifts. That's how we can tell they're the wise men. Although this shepherd looks pretty cool too. And then you can see a little camel behind. Can we, look at, can we go to the next one? Yeah, this is the isolation of the wise men. All right. So... Can we go back one? I'm being difficult, I know. Thank you. Let's leave that up for a second. See if you get bored, there's something to look at. I want to answer some questions, as I said, about the, this story that I had as a child, and even still today. There's not actually a lot said about the wise men. We know they came from the east. We know that they were wise. That's all the Bible really tells us. Apart from some of the questions that they ask, you kind of get the interpretation of who they were, what they knew. All right? So I'm going to answer these questions as best as I can. I'm going to read some of the other ones. I'm going to answer this question, hopefully. Well, where did they come from? What did they do? Why those gifts? I was always intrigued about this is a baby, maybe a rattle or some nappies or something would have been a bit more appropriate. But why these gifts? And then I'm going to conclude with what do we learn from them and our response to that. So it's five, a couple of minutes each one, we'll be done and dusted, don't worry. Who were they? Um, if you've got answers to you, just yell them out and I'll, I'll like to interact with the congregation, so just make sure you stay awake if I ask people questions. Right, so first of all, we know that they are wise men. 
Does anyone else know of a wise man today or wise woman? I always call my wife, she's a wise woman. She's made some good choices in life, like who to marry. Um, but wise men, it's a, to give you a very short answer, it's the best English word we can give to these guys. They were wise men. Some other versions might call it something starting with M. They were called Magi. I think that's the Greek word. Okay. And if you look back at history, the Magi were actually priests from the Babylonian area. Okay. That was the name for them. So we can almost get this idea that these guys were priestly, priestly guys as well. Some other things and even songs talk about these guys being kings, that their get-up was dressed like kings. And if you go back and look at Isaiah, and Isaiah is very big on some of the imagery that we see of the wise men today, that they talk about kings travelling, following a star, that kings will come and worship. And so that's where we get these images of kings. In Isaiah, uh, that's Isaiah 60 verse 3. Some of the uh, uh, commentaries in my Bible talk about them being royal astrologers. Now, we know this for a fact because they followed a star. When was the last time you got on Google Star and followed a star to know where to get to a certain place at a certain time? Never. That's incredible in itself, isn't it? That's the wonderful part of this story. That is a supernova, supernatural part of this story that we always brush over. They followed a star. Why that star? Crazy. But they knew about this star. They were waiting for this star and and it was a sign that that the newborn king isn't going to be in that area. Royal astrologers uh, also had the, the job, I guess, to work out the holy days for, for, the, for the kingship. They were, highly, uh, up to, they were highly close to the king. Okay, They were all probably counsellors and advisors to the king. But their job as well was to study the stars. And that way, from the patterns of the stars, they could work out which are the holy days. So they couldn't really switch off. You know, it's like, oh, geez, we forgot to look at the stars this, this month. Christmas is coming up and we've, we forgot to look. These guys were switched on. They were, they were able to read, they were able to write, they were able to study. Okay? And I've heard different sermons talk about that these guys, I'll just rattle them off, they were doctors, they were theologians, they were scientists, they were counsellors, they were advisors, and they were dream interpreters. Whew. No wonder we just said they're wise men. Like, that sums it up for us, like, they're wise men. Uh, we, we read about them being doctors because of the gifts that they gave, had medical benefits. Theologians, because they studied and knew the Old Testament, and when the star came, they were ready to go. They knew who they were going to see. 
Scientists is more of a modern term because they were probably guys that could work out problems and um, use medicine and use uh, experiments to figure out things in terms of for the king. Uh, counselors and advisors, we read that from Daniel. Remember, Daniel was an advisor to the king and he was able to interpret dreams. And that, that sort of flow-on effect would have happened, continued on in Babylon. And not every single Jew left Babylon when they came back to Judea and Jerusalem. A lot of them stayed. No wonder we called them wise men. So who were they? They were a complicated bunch of blokes, if we put it in that term. I like to think of it like my father-in-law is a carpenter. All right? He's a carpenter by trade. But then other people call him a builder. And other people say, well, he does concreting, so he's a concreter, or he's a gyp rocker, or he's a handyman because he does all these other different things. But hang on a second. Well, I've listed off four or five things that he's done, but he's, he's a carpenter. Same with the wise men. We've listed them as wise men, but they had all these other attributes to them. Not only that, these guys were highly respected. Highly respected blokes. And they dressed beautifully. That's a joke. Okay. They dressed nicely because we have this image of them being kings or representing kings. And so in order for them to to be for us to visualize them, we've dressed them up. Dressed them up like kings. Where did they come from? Short answer is the East. Where, where is the East? Well, it's east of Jerusalem. But if we go back and look at Isaiah 60, verse 6, again, Isaiah gives us all these imageries of the wise men. Midian and Ephra uh, is, is some of the, the towns or the, the countrysides that is named that they were probably going to come and worship the king from these areas. As well as um, the people of Sheba, get this, it says, people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense. Doesn't that remind you of something? This is written in Isaiah years and years and years and years and years before this happens. And there's this prediction that people from Sheba will come and bring gold and frankincense. Pretty on the money, isn't it? Where they come from, they sort of came from the eastern, what we would call probably Middle East now, okay, and even sort of the, the top half of Africa. Um, and if you look at, you know how you always see one dark fella in the three kings, or three kings, the wise men? You, you always, have you got, who's got an activity scene at home? Put your hand up. Okay, I know it's hot, let's, let's get, is in your nativity, is there one dark fella? Go home and look, <laughs> right? That, this is, the reason why they've done that is, is to incorporate all the, some of the Old Testament history. It is to incorporate that most likely one of them was probably dark or a group of them were probably dark. It doesn't actually say there were the three of them. There could have been a whole clan of them. We don't know. It says that the wise men travel from the east, but 
because there were three gifts, that's why we've got three wise men. It, it makes sense. We can kind of, three gifts, three, three blokes. But that's to incorporate the different areas that they were from. Cool. Have you ever wondered about the camels? Where in the Bible, in Matthew, it says they travelled on camels? I've read it for, for a month. I didn't see camel come up once. All the images have come up. My nativity scene has a camel. And they're beautiful images, aren't they? Travelling on a camel or camels. And again, that comes from Isaiah. And even when Queen Sheba, back before this, when Queen Sheba came from, well, she was from Sheba, <laughs> duh. When she came and she came to the king, she travelled in a caravan of camels. And they loaded up the camels with, surprise, surprise, gold and frankincense and all these other kingly gifts to give to the king. Now that was in order because she had all these crazy whacked out questions that she wanted to get off her chest and she wanted to test the wisdom of Solomon. But that's where kind of where we get this image that the camels are kind of a, a historical way of travelling, especially for people in power. You get that? So these are just images pulled out from Isaiah particularly that we just take for granted now. We just think, yeah, there was three of them, they were wise, and they travelled on camels and they gave three gifts. But the Matthew's encounter doesn't dwell in those details. It gives us what we need to know. But for my brain, I wanted to know where does this stuff come from? Why couldn't it be horses or donkeys? Or imagine just go on foot. Anyway, what did they do? Well, they travelled following a star, they searched for a newborn king, and they worshipped him. That's what they did. Just imagine the conversation that these guys had with their wives before they left. Honey, I'm going on a trip. Where are you going? I'm not sure. How are you going to get there? Well, I'm going to use the camels. Um, what are you going to do? I'm just going to worship this newborn king. Where is he? I don't know. How are you going to, where are you, how are you going to know which, which way to go? I'm just going to follow the star. Imagine how that conversation went down. You know? What did they do? They worshipped the newborn king. That was their final destination. That's where they were going. That's where they were heading. They were fulfilling all these prophecies to just worship and to give some gifts to the newborn king. Why those gifts? I joke about that these gifts were not practical, but these gifts were biblical. These gifts were fit for a king. You get that? These gifts were fit for a king. These guys knew who Jesus was. First of all, gold. Okay? They opened their gifts. What did it say? They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. I guarantee you can rattle off those three gifts to anyone at any time because they're gifts that we talk about at least once a year. Gold is a gift that you give to a king. It's, it's something of rich, it's, it's valuable, and it doesn't go off. Gold has always, for, for whatever reason, holds its value. It is a gift for a king. Frankincense. Frankincense, um, I, as I said before, we talked about when Queen Sheba gave, it's also another gift that you give to a king. But it was also, a, it was also used in a temple. It was actually a, 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 an incense burnt in the temple by the priest. So some interpretations will say that this is the sign of Jesus' priesthood. Him being the in-between of God and humanity. And that's a beautiful image, isn't it? I think we can really hold on to that. That he is the ultimate high priest. And then myrrh. And then I can just imagine Mary's reaction. Why are you giving us myrrh? Because myrrh was a, a fragrance, an incense that was put on dead bodies. It was like a sacrificial uh, incense. And people will link that to the death of Christ, that sacrificial death, that he was born to die. But there's also this beautiful element about um, myrrh, which I didn't realise until I was reading about this. It actually has healing powers as well. You see, myrrh was used in, in ancient times for, um, for wombs and cuts. Uh, well, I also read that it, it talks about it helps with digestive issues. So it was a, a kind of a medicine. I think even the Chinese used it in ancient times as well. So it wasn't just you know, kind of this area. This was, this was sort of um, something that was used in terms of medicine and healing. And then I put those two together, the death and the healing, and I think, wow, God, this is something so powerful that, that in your death you bring healing to the world. You get that? That is a beautiful image. That is a beautiful image. What do we learn from these guys? I rattle off some really quick ones. The first thing I realised and that I learned from these guys is they were courageous. Imagine getting on a camel, following a star, and you didn't have any guts about it. It took guts to follow a star. It took guts to follow um, the interpretations of Isaiah and looking for a star, looking for a star. There it is. Let's go. Someone who is weak-minded, someone who is indecisive, does not do that. Oh, I'll wait for the next star. I'll wait for the next sign. Oh, I'm not going to do this. These guys were courageous. 
We lose that in that. That is a wonderful aspect of being a follower of Jesus. It takes guts. It takes courage. Not only that, these guys were faithful. We have come to worship the newborn king. Where is he? Imagine on the journey, following the star, and then I, I, love, I love this joke. People say, if the guys were so wise, why did they get lost? Um, the Bible doesn't actually tell us they got lost. I think that would be very practical in terms of... Um, just say, for instance, you were travelling to a, fo- uh, a foreign land and there was a newborn king. Where would the best place to go to find out information about a newborn king would be in the palace where the king reigns. Hey, it could even be the king's son. But in this case, obviously not. These guys were faithful. These guys worshipped Jesus. What does the Bible say? It tells us that they got on their knees and worshipped him. Like I said, these were powerful, important, smart, educated, well-dressed guys who bowed before a child. Imagine that image for a second. There's no doubt about who these guys were for. They were for Jesus. They worshipped him. There's also this element that they protected Jesus. We read right at the end um, that when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So they obviously went a different way to avoid Herod in protection for Jesus. I like to think the protection too is in that gift of myrrh. I can just imagine Jesus as a little toddler, as a little kid. You can't tell me he didn't trip over once and graze his knee and hurt himself. I'm sure that myrrh would have come in handy. These guys protected the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of the Jews. They protected him. And I love their response. They were submissive to the word. So they followed the word of Isaiah to the T. They saw the star. There's a king to be born. Let's go. And they were wholehearted about the worship. They didn't sort of get halfway and go, oh, this, is, oh, this is too hard, let's go back. You know, we had it pretty cool where we were. We were, you know, living it up. We were very powerful people. Um, they went the whole way, the whole journey. I've been on a camel before. It's not comfortable. Who's been on a camel ride before? Who, who rocked up on a camel to church this morning? No. It's not comfortable, that's why, you know. <laughs> Might be cheaper to run, but they're not comfortable. I remember once, oh, I heard one sermon, a guy was talking about, it probably would have taken, I love the, the numbers on this, it would have probably taken 40 days 
if they were really motoring, you know, they're really going for it on a camel. I love the 40 days, you know, that's a very biblical number. I couldn't stand four minutes on a camel, let alone 40 days. These guys were committed, you know what I'm saying? These guys, and the road, it wasn't a smooth road. To finish with, listen, I really want us to respond to this story. Okay, I know I joke around a bit. That's just to keep you awake. But what I want you to do is I actually want you to respond to this story. Because I look around this room and I see that I'm pretty confident everyone has heard about the wise men before. Yeah? And we've heard this story before. And maybe I've, I've thrown in a few different things to make you think about a little bit more about the wise men. But there's got to be a response to it. And in this little reading that we've looked at, there are three responses to hearing about Jesus being born. The first response is Herod's. I love Herod. He goes, oh, he calls them in. He obviously hears about it. He wants to know where, where on earth this is happening. Oh, and then he gets the scribes out and the teachers of religious law. And they tell him it's in Bethlehem. And then he calls them in privately. Hey, fellas. Hey, wise men. Come here for a second. When did you first start seeing this star? And then he puts this real big front on. Oh, because when you find him, I'm going to go worship him too. As if he's going to do that. But he says that. But his response to hearing, I love, well, the wise men started off, they said, um, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We story star rose and we've come to worship him. My Bible says in verse 3 that he was deeply disturbed when he heard the news. If you'd read any history about Herod, or in this case, this is Herod the Great, um, called great because he did some great buildings, but you wouldn't want to be his family because he murdered a couple of his wives and children because he was worried that they were plotting against him. This guy was a nasty piece of work. He was self-centred and he was all about being in power. That's why the Romans got him in, because he was brutal. And he was loyal to the Romans. His response to hearing about the birth of the new king, if you read on, he slaughters all the, all the sons two years uh, and under, he slaughters them. Because he doesn't want the, new, the newborn king to overtake his power. That's a, an awful response. It's a selfish response. He wanted to be in control. He wanted to have the power. When he heard about the newborn king, he was angry. He was cranky about it. And his selfish desires got in the way of him realising that this was the saviour of the world. 
I don't ever want to compare myself to Herod. But sometimes my selfishness gets in my way of my response to the newborn king. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Let's not have a selfish response to this. Let's not have our own desires get in the way of acknowledging who is king. Okay? He wanted to kill Jesus. That's how strong he felt about it. There's a second response, and it doesn't really get preached on, but the leading priests and the teachers of religious law had a response. Because they knew who the king was, and they actually knew where he was to be born. It was five miles down the road. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. They knew about this king. They knew who was coming. They knew where he was going to be born. What is their response? Nothing. Exactly. They knew about him, but they did nothing. How many people in your lives do that? They know about the newborn king. They know the Christmas story. They could tell you the Christmas story, but their response to it is nothing. Let's not have a nothing response to this. Let's have a wise response. And that's by the wise men. Their response was wholehearted worship. We know who he is. We acknowledge who he is with our gifts. We've travelled all this way because we know who he is and what he's going to stand for and we bow down. Their response was to bow down and worship him. I can imagine the trip home for the wise men. This is not in the Bible. This is just my own imagery. Imagine the chatting on the camel as they're riding along, wishing they brought the Toyota. And I'm just thinking they would have been in awe. They could have just gone back and just shared with everyone. We saw the newborn king. We worshipped him. We gave him our gifts. We acknowledged him as king. You get that? Their gifts acknowledged him as king. They were powerful, but they got on their knees. That is the response that we need to have to the Christmas story. That is the response that we need to have to Jesus Christ, our Lord, is to get on our knees and acknowledge him as king. Amen? We are allowed to be excited about that. And if this is a challenge for you, you've, you've gone away from that. You've had a nothing response for maybe a few years. Or maybe when you hear about Christ, you just sort of want to turn the other way. Or selfishness or barriers are in the way of you responding, because you've got to respond to this story. Your response is, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. I encourage you today 
as we're leading to Christmas, it's next week, as we this week coming or whatever it might be, make sure your response is one of knee-bending worship. Because when I've got really bad knees and I had to wicket keep yesterday at cricket, right? And when you wicket keep, you bend down every single ball. And if you said to me, Brad, you get down on your knees and worship God, it would probably take me half an hour to get back up. I could probably just fall down and then, and then maybe get some assistance to get back up. It's a humbling experience is what I'm saying for you to get down on your knees. You can't be self-centred. You can't have a nothing response. When you are on your knees, you're acknowledging, you're acknowledging someone else as being king, not you. Okay? Let's have a humbling, worshipping heart as we approach Christmas, as we look at Christmas. If you want to talk to Scott or myself or Mark about your response might need to change then we're happy to pray for you and talk about that. Um, Yeah, so let's pray. Our Lord, our God, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, we worship you wholeheartedly. Work in us, Lord. Encourage us, push us and strengthen us, Father, to know uh, your place in our lives. Thank you for the wise men, for their courage and faithfulness, for their example of worship, for the protection of a child. The wise men are often celebrated as kings and celebrated as as some of our favourite parts of the nativity scene. But their response to the newborn king is probably the the best thing that we can get out of these guys. Lord, I pray for each and every one here. Our hearts are open to you. I pray, Lord, that our response to Christmas, the story of Christmas, the story of the wonders, that the, the prophecies, the the star following is just all amazing elements. But Lord, I pray our response to it is of worship. If we need renewing, Lord, I pray that that happens. If we need a kick up the backside, I pray that that happens. Lord, if we need encouragement, Lord, if we need uh, pulling in the right direction, Lord, if we need to... Um, Get re-centred this Christmas, Lord. I pray that that happens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.